Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Potential Podcast. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to take a moment and talk to you about something that means a lot to us. This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment, and although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Potential. That's BetterHelp.com Potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. this is The Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Sokol, and joined by my suave and debonair co-host, Chris Dewar. Well, this is a very exciting week, Chris. You know why, right? Oh, I do indeed. We oh, finally yes. have another Bond film. It's only been a while. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been uh, at this point now, six years, <laughs> which is pretty long for, for a franchise that is still the same actor. That is the longest we've had to wait for the next film. So, um, yeah, exciting because Daniel Craig, 
he's been my bond, if that makes any sense. I mean, of course, we were alive when uh, Pierce Brosnan was uh, a reigning champ for a while. But Daniel Craig has really been our bond, at least the bond that um, we know probably the most. And after Spectre, there was rumors for a long time that he was going to do another film, that he was done. And then finally, it was announced that he was going to do one last film. It was supposed to come out last year. And now because of COVID, it's finally being released. No Time to Die came out last week. So definitely going to be reviewing that this week. Uh, But it's exciting to see that this franchise has been huge, Taylor. I think apart from the MCU, it's the second longest running film franchise with the most films. Uh, Absolutely. Agreed. Um, And it's it's amazing that it still has continued um, to you know, fascinate audiences and keep putting butts in seats in theaters. Now, I mean, and that's why I thought today would be a great idea for an episode to talk about just the legacy of James Bond. Uh, now, between the two of us, I think I'm more well-versed in the films. Um, for sure. I'm not uh, into the novels as much, but I know that we got to get some love to uh, Sir Ian Fleming. Uh, now, fantastic writer. James Bond started in 1953, and it was uh, his whole series focusing on a fictional British Secret Service agent. A lot of people thought this is based on uh, this is you know based on real a real person, but it actually was inspired by Ian, Ian Fleming was inspired to write the um, about Bond and the character codename 007. Uh, was because of basically if you're a double O agents about the number of kills you have. So 007 James Bond just been synonymous with uh, the spy, espionage, intrigue, uh, womanizing, you know, saving the world against evil villains. And I think it's just amazing that his character has just continued to evolve. What's interesting about the character though on, you know, on books, he was very, you know, just kind of by the book, you know, doing his, uh, you know, whatever it takes. And the movies kind of, you know, portrayed by so many different actors. I think it's just interesting that each actor kind of really represented the time or the movie represented the time it was in. Uh, and I think that because they had to really kind of write for, although the books, you know, started during, you know, the height, you know, height of the Cold War. Uh, the movies have gone through, you know, so many years and, and so many changes. It's been really interesting there. So first of all, you know, whether it's your, you know, first or second or third Bond, we can't start talking about Bond if we don't, you know, talk about the most iconic uh, actor to portray it, which we did get a chance to, um, it's going to be, it's going to sad. this has been almost a year uh, since his passing. And uh, we got to give a tribute here to Sean Connery. So whenever you think of Bond, everyone always automatically goes to Sean Connery. It just, just not only, I think just, because he first portrayed that role, but I think because of what he did for that role. Now, fun fact about the film, there's about, actually about, um, coming out 27 films, 26 films, uh, in the actual, you know, identified, you know, the versions of them, as well as 25 films. There was uh, one film that Sean Connery did that uh, wasn't really, uh, no one wants to talk about. Never say never. Uh, never talk about it again. Never talk about it again. Uh, and of course, before that, though, actually, fun fact, a lot of people didn't know that the, um, first film that was non part of the e eon production films you know part of um was actually uh casino royale 1967 by david and the actor was david nevin that played it It was kind of a a, it was a parody bond film so it was kind of really kind of making you know kind of fun of james bond and and kind of what morse was going to later but of course casino royale we know later there but something about sean connor just playing that role i mean he just set the tone for i mean he was 
Uh, he wasn't British, but he had that 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 gruff exterior. You know, he he would have that ShamWow chest hair, and <laughs> it was just something about those films. I was really, really taken with. Of course, when I first um, my first iteration of Bond um, was would have been Goldeneye. That was the first time I had ever seen a Bond film. And of course, before that, I think you both and I played the video game, so that was our first kind of iteration there. Uh, but tell me, Chris, what was the first Bond film and Bond memory that you have? So really, I think the first Bond film I would have seen all the way through, uh, and even like in a movie theater, was Die Another Day, uh, really? which was okay. Pierce Brosnan's last film. So I'm fairly new to the to the series as as a whole. Um, I definitely have probably seen clips of many of the other films, although I have, um, you know, a while ago, couple years ago i would say now i i bought my dad the full like dvd collection which i think was up through skyfall um something like that so you know it, the thing is i've just never really taken the time to actually watch them all something i've always wanted to do i feel like this is one of those uh franchises i do need to marathon just because it's such a big part of pop culture i mean james bond is if you think of like all-time most memorable characters people that you know, a character that someone can recognize worldwide. This the character of James Bond is very much one of those characters. Um, but I have seen Doctor No, and I've seen a fair amount of From Russia with Love. So Sean Connery, even though even though Die Another Day was the first one I fully remember seeing, and actually it was funny when those movies came out. Um, it was during the time of Lord of the Rings. Uh, Die Another Day had come out near the tail end of that year as well, two thousand two my friends in high school we would always go see the new lord of the rings movie the friday that we were released for winter break we had two weeks off so we'd go catch like a we'd, we'd get done it'd always be like a half day so we'd try to book like a 1 30 or 2 o'clock matinee movie of lord of the rings and then we'd always sneak in to go see another film that was playing so i remember we snuck in to see dino the day after that and that one is the only one I definitely have like very strong memories of because I remember seeing it in the theaters. And I just remember actually, sadly, just like at the tail end of maybe like there's probably like 10 minutes left of the movie. We actually had to leave because our parents had showed up. <laughs> they were like, all right, you've been at the movie theater for like six hours now. Like, let's go. Because <laughs> yeah. the thing is a very long movie <laughs> in that. But Sean Connery, an actor that we both definitely uh, loved very much and has been a huge part of just cinema history. He definitely defined this role and that was definitely a time too where I feel like a lot of male roles were like the cowboy or like the lawyer. There wasn't really a huge boom yet in the spy business and thinking of James Bond being this, the film series that would eventually lead to things like Ethan Hunt in the Mission Impossible series or Jason Bourne, the Bourne series. Um, you know, a lot of that would never have happened if it wasn't for the success of James Bond. And so, yes, technically, if you don't, if you don't count the not the one we're not going to name of Sean Connery, technically he did seven films, but we're only going to really mention six here. But Dr. No, the thing I always remember of the time I watched Dr. No is you see where elements of James Bond play into pop culture even if it's from a parody or comedic standpoint. Dr. No, the bad guy, who's Dr. No, um, having the metal hands, it's like clearly to see where they have the idea for Claw in the Inspector Gadget series. 
And then eventually you get to, you know, Blowfield uh, with the cat and from Russia with love and moving on. He's a bad guy that shows up in quite a few films. Uh, clearly see the James Bond as franchise as a whole, huge, huge parody point from Michael, Mike Myers to do Austin powers. And of course, Dr. Evil being a parody version of Blowfield with the scar and just the pinky ring and the cat uh, of course, his cat, you know, ends up having no hair at some point. It's just, you know, hilarious. So, but I haven't seen a bunch of them. The thing that I kind of remember though, of the older films and why I'd kind of want to watch them is James Bond has always been, even though there's definitely moments like with any kind of spy thriller, where it's a little, it's a little fantasy in terms of like, no one should survive these situations, but James Bond is almost a little superhuman in that way. Like he's definitely uh, mortal. It's not like he can't take a bullet and die, but sometimes there's these huge giant, almost, you know, overwhelming uh, fight scenes or chase scenes, especially with cars on train, on a boat, on a plane. That's a little like, almost like it hits a little bit of like the fictional, like, okay, I get why this is, it's realistic, but it's a little fictional. And it also goes with the tech. So there's always these fun tech gadgets that happen with James Bond. You know, the car can be invisible. He has the watch that can do this thing, the gun that can do this thing, this device, you know, having Q be the master of all the tech stuff that he gets. Some of the stuff is stuff that's not actually, at least from understanding, actually possible. And to think of these films back in like the 60s and 70s that have some of these funny gadgets that it almost plays into the category for me of like, thinking of like the Adam West Batman show more than like nowadays with the Daniel Craig movies, they're so intense and very like hardcore that it makes a little more sense with a lot of the gadgets back then. It almost becomes a bit of like a, Oh, that's the, that's the Saturday morning serial blockbuster. Well, you know, yeah. Kind of and thing. I think, and I think that was the, that was the turning point. So with Dr. No Russia love, there wasn't really any, it was just more of the espionage and it wasn't until Goldfinger where he would start having more gadgets like the the jet packs and all these things. And then that would be kind of a mainstay for a long time, almost to a comedic point. Uh, Desmond Llewellyn, who played Q for the majority of the films up until um, uh, Pierce Brosnan's last film, uh, he was like, you know, the, the Q, the, the quartermaster. So the fact that he was kind of like, I was always fun, like, oh, Bond gets his gadget. So you have that gadget scene. But you were right, like, just some of them were so outlandish. You're like, okay, this is like you know, r r kind of ridiculous. Uh, but it was just something that you look forward to, like, oh, what's he going to get these gadgets? You know, what's what's he going to use? And and how is he going to, you know, do, do that? But what was really great about, it was interesting to see the transition through all the bonds of, like, you know, the films were pretty much the same in terms of, okay, you got the villain, you got, you know, world world domination, shame or dream. Uh, that's what uh, Bond says in the Dr. Now. But um, all the... Uh, the bonds would change and in, in not just acting wise, but just with the times. Sean Connery is much more of a refined, you know, he was tough, but he was refined. He, you know, he just, he got the job done and everything. And then he was a womanizer. And then we would go into, you know, after his, his last film, uh, well, he would take a break. You'd have, you only live twice, which was, you only live twice was definitely the one where you would first introduce to Blofeld with the classic, like what Dr. Evil would become. And then when there was that break, and then George Lazenby, his only film that he did with Bond, who was an Australian actor, 
and he didn't really have much acting credits at his time. On his Honor Magic Secret Service would be the next replacement for Connery. And he only did one film. What was so great about that film was it's so different. This is the only film that James Bond ever got married in. Where he fell in love, got married with someone, yeah. And unfortunately, um, well, we're revealing spoilers. These movies have been out forever, so, you know. She dies, but she's played by the beautiful Diana Rigg, who we know later on uh, uh, for oh, Modern yes. Artists, Elena Tyrell. Yeah. So, uh, so that was really a, a different, you know, turn. It'd be interesting to see, you know, what Lazenby would have done with that role. But then Connery came back. And, of course, one of the more parody and you know, more of a goofier, I think, of the Bonds would have been Roger Moore uh, coming in Live and Let Die, um, which he... The thing about him was he just had more of created the the I think the one liners, you know that uh, really the, the cheesy one liners like oh you know it's like someone gets um you know head you know a nail in the head or something like oh I think he got the point or something you know you know things like that it was just like but then Roger Moore we we got like aged too much in the role where like it's 1985 and he's like you know in his 60s and he's uh womanizing these women in their 20s it's like okay it's getting a little weird now <laughs> and uh you can't be doing this forever so i think that that was kind of a fun you know little thing it was like okay now we need to change it but i, I did like the the thing of roger moore that his movies were just kind of just so nuts and so bonkers i mean you have moonraker came out in 79 was like okay bond in space it was like okay now we got star wars we got star trek we need to get out in space let's put bond in space like all right this is nuts but some of those ones you get a lot of the classic some of these characters like jaws uh you know the man with the golden gun uh and just and then these names would be just such such parodied uh you know with the, the man with the golden gun spy who loved me yeah, you know, uh, Octopussy, you know, all these ones. And, uh, of course, View to a Kill, we get uh, Christopher Walken. You know. That's right. <laughs> a View to Kill. So, uh, but that Coming was... Coming for the, you, Bond. Yeah, wow. what are you doing? What was very interesting, though, I think what I've really enjoyed with the films going into, like, some of these, these uh, starting was from Russia with Love, a great mainstay would have been the use of uh, established singer, and creating kind of an iconic song uh, based on the title. And I think that was just something that was really, you got really excited about it. Like, I never think, in movies, if I can skip the credits, I will. Because I'm like, I want to get to the action. I don't care who's in it. I know who's in it. I saw the trailer. But I think that was the thing you enjoyed watching the credits because you just love hearing that music. And I would kind of like allude to what was going on to it. Some of the songs were just so iconic that still to this day, uh, I just I just love uh, the finger. Yeah, I mean, you get Shirley Bassey, and Shirley Bassey. Fun fact: she actually did a couple different ones. She did, uh, she did Moon, uh, she did uh, Goldfinger, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and I believe she also did Moonraker. I'm not 100 sure. But yeah, there's Shirley Bassey did actually a couple different ones there, and it was interesting the the choices they made. I guess you know based on the time, like okay, this uh, person's like on fire. Let's have them do it. Uh, some of them are a little, some a little more nuts, but um, some of my favorite ones I remember, like Golden Eye was, you know, Tina Turner, boom, boom, Golden Eye, like some of those are really, really iconic, and I think it was great that what some of these other films would would go to to do that, and not only the music but the score. I mean, the original score that down, 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 down. It's just classic. Such a, what a such classic, a classic sound that. You put that on and you want to drive around and chase bad guys. Or you exactly. Want to... You immediately get that spy feeling of just like, and the, it just has that cool, classy feeling. That's something that I've always think has been interested about James Bond is that 
although he does get in these situations where he's really fighting for his life and he's trying to save the world, he's still this womanizer trying to, you know, has the nice shaken, not stirred uh, drink, always in a tux. You know, he's always looking really good. He's always having fun with it too. Like, okay, the world's, you know, in trouble, but I have a sense of like a little bit of, and I think they did incorporate a good bit of humor, but you never, the stakes never felt throughout the main films. They never felt like too scary or like, oh, he's not going to get away with it. Yeah. And I think they, they have to kind of, it always has to play into that situation where you kind of feel he, he, he's not going to be able to save the day, but we know by the end he's going to save the day, which, um, which is why I think when we get a little later to the uh, Daniel Craig movies, it's a little different in terms of how they sequentially did some of those films. But actually, it's funny enough, I, I got to do a parody show a couple years ago where we did different iconic movie moments. And at one point it came out as Sean Connery with a terrible kilt on and it was like just over the top. Uh, but it was funny, I, I would go to the crowd and be like, who's the best bond. And it'd be so interesting to hear the people that would, you know, often the two that um, are fought over the most is Sean Connery and Roger Moore and the people that would go Roger Moore. And I'd be like, there's the door, you know, like time for you to leave. Um, but to think, yeah, that's also something that we, we have other film franchises that have had multiple people play the same character but not to this degree with this many films, you know, and, it's and, like, and, and talk about the fan further. There's always like, Oh, who's, you know, not my bond. And I think that's, you know, I think everyone can agree. Sean Connery is the best, even if you've never seen the films, it just, because he just had that look and he just, he's the icon with that. But I think when I got to go back and watch all these films from a modern perspective, it was very interesting to see, you know, look able to enjoy the bond without the film, you know, like I said, and I think the, Sometimes the Bond is only good at his film, but vice versa. Sometimes the film is only good as his Bond. And Roger Moore, I mean, Roger Moore must have done pretty well, though, because he also had seven films. So um, you look at the track record of, you know, like George Lazenby only got the one and done. And then they went back to Sean. And so I think at that point he was like, I've done enough. So moving to new actor, the fact that he played this long just shows that there was still demand for that actor to be uh, in the films. And clearly that means, that means they were doing well enough. I mean, over ten, over twelve years, uh, he played that That's role. That's a, a long time, up until he got in the wheelchair. Yeah. Just kidding. I don't know if he, yeah. You know. But funny to move on to Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, <laughs> although I've seen him in plenty of things, I always think of him as the bad guy in Hot Fuzz, uh, <laughs> which he's a very, uh, very fun uh, role in that. The creepy kind of. Uh, he's the owner of the grocery store, and yeah. he, you just, I mean, he's got this uh, Simon Skinner. Um, just and the thing that you know eventually connecting as I do is I'll watch movies or TV shows and if there's actors I'm really interested in I'll go to their IMDB and I'll look at what else have they done have I seen them other things oh I have you know like just thinking like Timothy Dalton he he, he was cast as Mr. Prickle Pants and Toy Story 3 and you know so he's like the the hedgehog that does the Shakespeare and I'm sure he's done plenty of other things I've seen but I think that he was one of the few to play James Bond he only did two films but still, he is, you know, you know, counts in history. He's got to do two. You got the Living Daylights and License to Kill. Um, so how do those movies fare compared to Roger Moore? I feel like after seven films, they had to kind of change pace a little bit uh, to move into, you know, we're now in the 80s. We're really starting to get that blockbuster feel. 
And uh, especially as we move into the 90s, it's going to be a whole new feel. So what were the Timothy Dalton movies like? Because again, I have no, uh, I have no, no information to give here. So jumping in my foray of Timothy Dalton, when I got to these sets of films, I was really excited about it because something about Timothy Dalton compared to all the other Bonds before, he really kind of had the look of Bond. And apparently, um, based on the books, um, he most looks like the role, the role of Bond. And I think they really wanted him to have there. And they wanted him back early as 1968 on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, although when they asked him so far back, he was like, he had claimed, he was like, I'm way too young on the role. I was 24, 24 at the time, which I agree. I think you need to be a little bit more in your third, a little more seasoned role. But they, they had asked him, several times to to be in the film and you know he didn't want to take over for sean connery because obviously connery who wants to take over that and he was wonderful and like he was like i'm too young but when you've seen bond from the beginning you don't want to take it for that so um he was approached again for your eyes only um but he didn't like the direction and then once he was approached to play again after roger moore retired uh, Pierce Brosnan was asked, but he was still doing Remington Steel at the time. So he's like, okay, do it. So it was like, it was one of those things like this could have never happened. The fact that it was like, no, like, and he kept like denying, you know. So, but something about Dalton coming in like the 80s, he really played off a very, a very edgy do what it takes bond. So Living Daylights is great because this was a really tour de force for uh, Dalton. He just had the suave and sophistication. Um, without the cheese there wasn't like a lot of cheese in this one i think that that's really what the bond what i think fleming's original intention was and i think this is back to kind of like the connery style where it was a little bit more this is kind of uh you know you still got the femme fatales and the beautiful women and the exact locations but you know this is where you know he's really more of a action hero less of a kind of a comedic kind of goofball Going into License to Kill, this is exciting because with License to Kill, this is the first film where Bond went rogue uh, because he's he's going for revenge. This is like when he starts. He's I think the first film really was like going for revenge because Felix Leiter, who is a character throughout the films, is kind of and actually another film role that's been played by many characters um, or actors over the years. Uh, Felix Leiter was a CIA contact, kind of a little like uh, partner in crime that he would like work with in in some of the situations of saving the world and Felix Leiter has this uh, attack in his life and um, the uh, they actually end up murdering Felix's wife after the wedding so this is his, like he's he's out for revenge Bond's like this movie's this is all about revenge and so he basically quits the secret service you know he's like you can hand in my resignation they're like this is a country club 007 <laughs> it's just such a great like dialogue like uh, I'm I'm quitting and uh, so then he goes off on this revenge mission to um, save it. And this is really, I really did like this one because this was even, I think, a little edgier uh, than Living Daylights. And I was like, really, I was all for it. It was a good kind of revenge, good old revenge tale. And uh, it was definitely much darker tone. I got criticized for that, which is kind of funny as we go into the Brosnan and the Craig ones. Those would get a little more edgier there. This was definitely a little too dark for... Uh, I think the Bond aficionados from the beginning, but I think it really set in the time of the 80s. I think it carried into his portrayal, but I think he played that really well. And it's a shame that after these two films, they didn't want to have more because I, I would, I think that Dalton could have, you know, had a, at least two more films in him. 
honestly, going into the 90s, especially as you said before, we're going to the 80s and 90s where technology, CGI would be getting a lot better. We have these big action set pieces, and now we're getting to the bigger, actioner, bolder bonds, if you will. And that's what lead us into the 90s where you and I would uh, be a part of this, be a part of our generation of Bond and going into GoldenEye where Pierce Brosnan was definitely, if it's not second to Craig, Brosnan would always have a special place in my heart as Bond because he just had the look and he had the sophistication and um, definitely the sex appeal uh, of, of Bond, I think. I'm like, I was like, I'll date him. You know, <laughs> put on a dress, I'll be a Bond girl. You heard it here, folks. Casting. Pierce Brosnan, Bond remake, Taylor's ready to be a Bond girl. Well, before we get into talking more about Brosnan and then to Daniel Craig, let's take a quick break. Um, Taylor, should we go get a martini? Shaking, not stirred. Exactly. We've had over 50 years of Bond on film. From crazy gadgets to gorgeous babes, we've certainly had our fill of adventures. But a Bond is nothing without his villains. And we've certainly had an onslaught of memorable characters. But what about the ones who didn't make the cut? Check out this behind-the-scenes look at the actors that almost were Bond villains. Hey, they start eating each other until there are only two left. Uh, the two survivors. And then what? Uh, do you kill them? Are they expendable? No? No, you uh, take them and release them into the trees. But now they don't eat coconut. Now, now they only eat rat. I had a rat once. It was pretty tasty, actually. Tasted a lot like chicken. Let's put a little teriyaki sauce in there. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, I did it one time over in Nam. What? Oh, no, no, not Vietnam. No, no, no. Something like uh, Namaste. Uh, I'm confused. No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to fry. What? That's not the line? Oh, okay. Let me, let me try it again, okay? Listen here. I expect you to rye. What? Oh, thought it was a line about bread. Lovely gadgets there, Mr. Bond. Fine mess we've got ourselves into. Another day, another $50,000. Listen, uh, for me, this is all the world. There's beauty, there's ugliness, and there is death. Ah, yes, I do great. I think this role should be mine. Actually, I can play both Bond and the villain. I play Strongberg and Bond, same time, one movie, Schwarzenegger, 007. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the only question remains, uh, will you yield in time? I mean, uh, if you don't, uh, that's fine. Uh, I, I can wait, you know. I've got uh, time doing other projects, you know. I mean, we could uh, uh, reschedule or, uh, or not. Uh, it's up to you. Checkmate. East, west, just points on the compass. Each as stupid as the other. I mean, come on. Dr. No Reboot, starring me, Nicolas Cage. This is box office gold. We will steal this movie. You two do make a charming couple, don't you? You're both... Uh, what's the expression? Damaged goods? <laughs> oh boy, you two and I, we're gonna have a hell of a time. And a word of the wise to you and your little girlfriend. Do what you need with her, then broom her fast. Can James Bond come out to play? <laughs> 
When it comes to the action-adventure spy genre, only one man stands out above the rest. Jimmy Pond. That's right. The super spy with only one good eye is getting a full 4K HD remastering to have 15 of his most iconic missions on ultraviolet Blu-ray for the first time. From the classic originals to the gritty new adventures, this is one collection diehard fans will not want to miss. The remastered films include... Nurse Nope! From Ukraine with Cuddles. You Only Give Thrice. On Her Majesty's Secret Tour Bus. Diamonds Are Expensive. The Woman with the Older Son. Moonbaker. For Your Thighs Only. A Review to a Grill. License to Refill. Yesterday's Leftover Fries. Try Another Clay. Casino Urinal. Quantum of Small Watercress. And No Line to Buy. This 72 disc collection includes the 15 films and way too many hours of bonus content. If you order now, we will even include a movie-accurate Jimmy Pond tuxedo. One size fits someone you know. So act now and order this ultimate collection, which can be yours for the small price of $99.99. Well, Taylor, we're back. And we're talking about James Bond, the ultimate franchise of our famous spy 007. So, yes, you've had, you know, so far, technically four actors who portrayed James Bond in all the films up through 1989. Uh, and then it's the longest break between films. Uh, it was a six-year break until uh, we'd have a new franchise start over with Pierce Brosnan playing James Bond with Goldeneye. Uh, and Goldeneye, no matter if you're a fan of the film or not, will always be recognizable because of the N64 video game that uh, everyone still talks about to this day as one of the best video games of all time that you would go play multiplayer with your friends at home. There's been multiple, you know, you can find it now on the internet and all kinds of things. But uh, I haven't seen Goldeneye. I haven't seen... I, don't, I can't remember which one. Uh, so he did four films total. Yes. I definitely saw Dino of the Day in theaters. That's the one I've seen uh, of his films the most because it's one I definitely recognize. But funny enough, I haven't seen the other three, at least not in their entirety. But definitely, this is the bond of the 90s where we're definitely hitting a bigger budget and a, a much bigger uh, CGI awareness, especially when it comes to like, action scenes explosions etc and definitely uh booming the business to even bigger box office success i believe is a definitely a thing that pierce brosnan bought for sure and what's fun fact about this this was the first film in the series not to utilize any story elements from works from ian fleming so it was completely original oh, material obviously the character and everything but also the first james bond film not to be produced by albert r broccoli uh, who was one of the main um you know producers following his step down from the production company and replaced by his daughter, Barbara Broccoli, who has now been kind of carrying on the legacy uh, tills to this day of, you know, producing these films. So it's been kind of cool about that. It's been a legacy piece for so many years of the Broccoli's have really kind of owned, you know, the rights to these films. But that was two really cool fun facts about James and I liked. What was really exciting about this one was the fact that you were having these big, 
huge, you know, action set piece. I mean, right within the first like 15 minutes of this film, you're like, wow, this is definitely a different type of Bond that we are used to. Now, this one I know for sure because I've seen clips of it and doing a little bit of uh, reading history. This one's exciting because it is Sean Bean in here as the main villain. And he himself was a double O agent, something that we'd kind of get a little bit when we get to Skyfall. But um, having this kind of rogue agent that fakes his death and then is ultimately the kind of main bad guy of the film. Sean Bean, incredible actor. So I feel like a combination of like Pierce Brosnan, Sean Bean, Famke Jensen in here is one of the girls. I feel like this is right up my alley. And what I need to check out because I've I've heard GoldenEye is such a uh, just a fun time and definitely even looking at the box office alone like a lot of the movies pre Pierce Brosnan would make somewhere in like the mid one hundred million dollar range and now we're talking like mid three hundred million dollar range and that would of course definitely increase over time so um, you could tell that definitely there was a a huge love. And um, also the first time to have a brand new who would play for quite a while, which is pretty exciting, having Judy Dench play M, um, yes. who is fantastic as M. And M, of course, being the, the kind of runner of the, the head of the MI6 and uh, Bond Superior. So that's, that, I think that's something that's exciting to think is that it, it wasn't always the case that you would have the other actors move over in the franchise, but have her play M from this movie all the way up through to uh, Skyfall. That's a long run. Uh, it was pretty exciting. So, um, but I know that, let's see, Tomorrow Never Dies, which came out two years later, uh, 1997. Jonathan Price uh, is there uh, as the main villain. And this is definitely where we get to more of Kind of like these films starting to have a lot more concentration on like big tech be like the main, you know, thing to fight the whole like. Yeah, the real uh, the real bad guys were um, it's technology itself. It's technology itself is the villain. And uh, so, yeah. And Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, again, made around the same money, like in the mid 300s. So The World's Not Enough came out in 1999. So right there alone. Every two years, we're getting another Bond film. Hasn't been the case like that for a while, uh, but pretty impressive. Robert Carlyle in there as the uh, villain and Denise Richards, <laughs> Sophie Marceau. Um, that one also did pretty well, money-wise. And then Dine of the Day, Halle Berry in there. And this was the this is one where I feel like I've seen more of this done in Mission Impossible, but the technology of changing your face and having like, you know, uh, plastic surgery done to like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, that was a huge part of that. And I just remember, uh, remember at one point, the one of the bad guys is the whole diamonds and the diamonds get like shoved into his face. Yeah. Like they're exploding his face. So like he has diamonds injected into his face. So it, it, it still played into what I think is fun about the Bond franchise is having these villains that are a little like have their own like set kind of character description it's a little ridiculous but in terms of box office at that point it did over 400 million so like it did even better than the first three a little bit of criticism for some of the plot points in that film but i remember a lot of the films up to that point at least ones that i remember seeing or clips 
a lot of the Bond girls were just to be that a Bond girl. They weren't necessarily like as well an action piece. Halle Berry definitely brought a kind of fun femme fatale also being Bond like she, you know, she wasn't just the hot girl in the movie. She she also kicked a lot of butt. So um, as she was this NSA agent. So of those four, do you have, you know, one that you like the most of the four? You know, I definitely do think that Pierce Brosnan brought a very elegant look. And he definitely, I think for a lot of people, no matter what you think of old, young, new, um, a lot of people do claim to be, that's that's the sexiest Bond of all of them. He definitely brought the the charm factor that way. But of those four films that he did, um, is there one that stands out to you that you like the most? I still think GoldenEye, um, n- not just because it's the first one, but just something about that. It was just such a great cast of characters. And um, I really kind of established a new precedence of Bond that we would um, – that you know, kind of gathered all the elements, everything. That was like my my favorite one. Um, but I also, I had um, world. The world is not enough. Was definitely another like big one of mine that I really just enjoyed, just because of just the the plot itself and the villain. I just really liked the. There's a good like twist in the plot, especially where oh, the the you know the the female uh, you know this person he's supposed to protect is actually you know part of the part of the plot against him so it was kind of i thought that was a cool little twist but um yeah goldeneye would always be my favorite i think when the game came out too and having that coincide when you could kind of play into that that was a lot of fun but some of the stuff was so great because it just had everything was really just well done in that film so that'll probably be one of my favorites still to this day i feel like two pierce brosnan (laughs) of our youth realistically the only other movie i can really remember him in when we were young would be mrs doubtfire um which was a very different role so i mean of course he's done a ton of stuff and we've seen him in plenty of films um especially recently he's been doing a lot of these fun comedy films but to think of him as james bond and very much a fitting james bond for that era of the franchise this like really getting into more of the popcorn blockbuster um, as, as the 90 films would go into 2000 and then very much the change in era of going to much more of a gritty, darker toned bond uh, with Daniel Craig. You could see that they were evolving as films were evolving, you know, like looking at, uh, you know, 2005 would have films like Batman Begins and how we were seeing let's let's do a little more darker take on some of our characters bond films with daniel craig being our most recent bond him now ending his reign um doing a total of five films you could tell there was just a, a definitely a evolution to have a little more darker tone uh gritty but also something i don't think they did a lot of with the previous bonds is all of daniel craig's films have been a continuing story yes from kissing a royale um every film that has happened there's plot points that then lead to the next film. And so No Time to Die is supposed to be kind of an end chapter from even elements that started in Casino Royale. And Casino Royale, to me, is still, I think, my favorite Bond film. Um, I just think it's so well done. And it's also kind of an origin story in a way. It is, Because yeah. he's, he's a newly appointed double um, O. So he, he finally did a kill, you know, in the very beginning of the film. And then he's just starting off. So he's still young. And so I think something too is all the actors who played Bond so far definitely can fight, but Daniel Craig has a little bit more of beast mode. I think that was uh, definitely something they wanted to look into because he's uh, a bit younger 
And as the films progress, he definitely gets more experienced. But also, there's some really intense, like big, deep, dark, uh, you know, villains throughout his franchise. And of course, him having to kind of, kind of be the bad boy Bond, dealing with M, and like not always, you know, being exactly by the book. I think was a fun new pace that was uh was definitely needed for the franchise which is why i think um his bond films have been the most successful of the whole franchise and um yeah i've made tons of money you know? yeah and it's funny because when they, he was first announced after brosnan that was like this huge you know search for the new bond and when craig was announced i remember i had reservations but it was such big controversy with that like no he's not bond he's blonde blue eyes and this whole thing and then once Casino Royale came out, everyone's like, I'm shutting my mouth. Exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that was, you're right. And I, I think that was really smart for them to create, you know, a whole new story, like kind of have that bit of an origin story. And then bring it full circle where we had Skyfall and where, you know, you, the changing of the guard of M and like, oh, why, why is your name M? Mallory. And then just the fact that in the first one, they w- didn't really have all these, ga- it wasn't very gadgety films. Like he's not going to be saved. He has to be saved by his brute force, his wits. So you are finding he is a very unrefi- a bit unrefined Bond at times. I think that was that's what was really great about that. And you know, this No Time to Die now is going to culminate in his 15 year journey of Bond. So it's pretty much the longest running is, Bond journey. That's crazy. 15 and years. Um, yeah. And I think that you know, oh, is he going to do another one? Is he going to do another one? I think he was definitely well suited for the role of bond he definitely had and there was a good bits of humor but not like too cheesy and it was very good tongue-in-cheek i would i would i would think um but i was really really impressed when these came out i was loving going back and watching them back to back to back and um something about that and i also really enjoyed that this was a bond in a more modern world so there's a little bit more of uh less of the damsel in distress in these films and i think a lot of the women could kick butt i think that's something that we've seen throughout the films that uh, the bond is only as good as the bond girls and there has been a slew of bond girls throughout the years some some more memorable than others and some that people wish to forget and some names you can't you can't really say out loud because it's uh, (laughs) must be dreaming uh so (laughs) i think that's been very interesting over the years as a bond has gone through transformation so have the bond girls as well they become a little bit more uh their names might be very silly but they've actually um held their own and become more modern women and i think there's a really there was actually a really good documentary while back talking about the bond girls and you know what that's kind of you know done for i mean bond himself is a bit of a sex symbol but you know women in throughout the bond films i think is more of the iconic look of you know what is um to be a female in a in a male dominated film right yeah and i mean it's been an iconic part of the franchise is having you know these women that sometimes are just for sexual appeal but also whether he falls in love with them and that was something i think was very different as well for the craig films was that in the first film um, having eva green play vesper he falls fully in love with her and of course she passes at the end of the film um, I think, you know, not really going to go into spoiler territory too much for the, maybe the last film, but I mean, by now we're hoping you've seen all these films. Otherwise, why don't you be listening to this? But, you know, <laughs> she dies at the end. And so I think that definitely plays into the rest of the films and why 
he never really gets too strong a connection with another female until um, Spectre. But Matt, like looking at the villains of the new series, Mads Mikkelsen playing Le Chiffre, one of the best like just roles ever. And that was definitely a role that kind of put him on the map with more American audiences. Um, he had done, you know, some Hollywood films, but uh, being this Danish actor, he definitely, I think, stepped up uh, in that role. Just was so cool. Him, you know, the whole the high stake uh, poker game. And then the fact he had that scar and like he would start to bleed if he was like too stressed out. And then, of course, the, the very intense uh, torture scene. Um, and I think that's something, too, that I, I don't think I was expecting so much from Daniel Craig's Bond is there is a cheeky kind of sarcastic humor about him where like he kind of likes poking fun even when he's in a situation where he literally could die any second he likes to have a little fun with it you know yeah and even some of the scenes like i love like i like a martini sir how would you like that i don't give a damn like just like kind of like and then almost like making fun of like the kind of the goofiness and the absurdity of the other bond films um like i remember in skyfall when you know q is giving him his gadgets like would you expect and like <laughs> like uh it was like a visible uh, car yeah. yeah it's just it's just a pen <laughs> And I remember um, Craig Ferguson was talking about the new Bond. Is like, oh, like, and he was making fun of him. He was like, this Bond doesn't have gadgets. Like, uh, pay attention to this. This is a pen. Or shoot poisonous gas. No, but you can write an letter to your enemy. No. <laughs> it's like, but it just was. It was a really great um, addition to have those little kind of references. Like, hey, we know where we've come from. We're, well, this is a different type of Bond. And I think the directors, each one did a really good job. And I do like though. Um, that we got uh, Sam Mendes did both Skyfall and Spectre. So kind of having those back-to-back films, I fantastic. thought that was and he, fantastic director. Skyfall is, is definitely, I think I think the Craig films have followed a pattern of extremely good movie, decent movie, yeah. extremely good movie, decent movie. Um, and Skyfall definitely was a, a huge success in my mind. It's the most successful of all the franchise thus far, money-wise. Um, I think... Javier Bardem as oh. Raul Silva is a top-notch villain. And this somewhat following a, a similar formula as GoldenEye, where it's an ex-MI6 operative who turns the bad guy. But, like, to think of Skyfall, I don't think he shows up in the film to, like, well over an hour of the film. Like, it's... And, and then that, that, that really long sequence where Bond has been captured and you just wait for the elevator to go down... And then the doors open and there's this whole monologue about the rat as he's like slowly walking closer to camera. And I love how there was also a little bit of like a little bit of sexual tension between them. You know, you kind of got a sense that he was a little playful. Um, It's just a great villain and also bringing up a, a, a perfect like end film for Judy Dench's character to have to face this, you know, this blast from her past. And I think that was a, a great way. And it, it still just continues. You know, it's like, oh, the guy that was, you know, that one guy from Casino Royale turned up to be working for this guy who's in Quantum of Souls. And actually the guy from that was working for this guy. And then, you know, now we see that Blowfield pops up in Spectre. And now it's like, oh, actually someone from Spectre is now who's going to be the villain in no time to die. You know, it's like, it's exciting to see how they continually played with those elements and so even though not not every moment of all these movies is uh, at the same quality, I think just overall the the way they've handled Craig's time as Bond has been 
something that I think for us being a modern audience, we've really respected, we've really enjoyed it. We keep looking for more, which is why it's been so exciting that we're finally getting no time to, you know, no time to die just came out and finally see like, how is his, how is his time as bond going to end? And then of course, the big question of who will now be the next bond, which direction are they going to go? Because it was such a big monumental shift from Pierce Brosnan to Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig has definitely set a tone for such a long time now. So I think it's going to be a few years before we get another James Bond, but this franchise doesn't seem to be one that's going to slow down anytime soon. There's still been a demand for it. still been a, a, a joy for it. And, you know, maybe the next set would be an even younger bond or a lot of people have been wondering, are we ever going to get our first black bond? You know, or a person of color might play Bond. And even are they going to have, maybe we go more into even a, a crazier, more technological Bond, whereas this has been really gridded and grounded. Maybe bond. Something, yeah, something different. Who knows? Yeah, Bond in the future. I mean, the 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 whole system is there, but I, I'm excited to see where they could go. And there's definitely been some, you know, it's been some uh, considered actors like, you know, Tom Hardy's been thrown around a lot. Idris Elba has been thrown around a lot. We, as fans of Lucifer, of course, wouldn't mind if Tom Ellis was uh, considered as James Bond. I think he's got the suave and the, the humor and he can do action. But, I mean, there's so many possibilities. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see where they go next with Bond because a franchise that's lasted this long, you know, technically next year, film-wise, next year marked the six-year anniversary from Dr. No. And it's not without, you know, merit. It's like, there's been a lot of great work. And so I personally know I need to go back and uh, watch a lot of these films so that I can say I've seen all the Bond films. I have a lot of homework to do, but you've made me very excited to check out more of the Bond films. But where do you think James Bond is going to go to next after No Time to Die? Well, I think that there is a lot of potential, like you said. Um, it's interesting, though. There's also been talks about maybe making Bond female. And I thought that was interesting, and I, I can see where audiences do. And But Daniel Craig came up in an interview, and he... I, I, he I said, can kind of shouldn't be in. played by a, a woman. Yes, he's like, write, write better roles for women so that they can play those roles. Don't yeah, just rehash. I, I completely agree with him, because, I mean, Bond has is, is written that character, and the qualities of his character do not translate for, for anything else. Like I said, and I, I think... Bond has inspired so many other great works. I mean, we have other male-led movies, like we talked about um, the Mission Impossible uh, films and the series. But also think about some of these other female-led um, action, you know, things that we've seen, like uh, some of the just kind of the one-off movies, but like Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron, uh, and some of these other female-led action ones. We had that. Uh, um, there's just so many. There's so much potential. Even like you know, talk about the Tomb Raider films. There's a lot of great potential to make very strong female-driven characters based on that. It's definitely inspired that. The future Bond. Who knows? I honestly, think now that we've seen the surgence of the last, I would say what 10, 15 years of really great uh, TV-led dramas, it would be you know Bond. Maybe we should Bond to the small screen. Put them on TV. I mean, uh, HBO Max. Pick it up. Netflix. I mean, you could do some Bond series, and you could do a lot more you know, with the character. And my only fear would, would it be like, oh, the um, uh, case of the week, you know, it's like, oh, he saves the world in one episode. I, you know, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I would it think. Comes police, could, police yeah. drama. Kind of yeah, thing. I would think maybe like one whole season's kind of one whole arc. Um, very similar to like 
kind of a, like, or something yeah, like, a, yeah. like a detective thing or uh like what bosch did or what, like you said the bodyguard and so i could see that that could be really lucrative um we talked about this earlier too um i would love to see a resurgence of really making more and even making original video games uh, with Same. the Bond series and we talked about this and that's been the biggest inspiration for a lot of first person shooter was goldeneye for n64 and i think what made it so great was it was a great pick-up-and-play game. It was just like, here, you just duke it out with your friends, get some cool guns, add the maps. And even the missions were pretty much straightforward. Get your objectives. And it would lead to so many other great films like the Tom Clancy games, Call of Duty. But I would like to see more, especially with the modern engines of the PS5 or Xbox, come up with some great original Bond games. They don't have to be based off of a movie. But you could, you know, and they had a couple of those over the years. I know I played, uh, one of the last ones I had played was, um, uh, it was like, I don't know what it was, like Everything or Nothing. And it was like a Pierce, it was, uh, it was Everything or Nothing. And uh, uh, All Things or No, no Things. Uh, whatever they want to be. But that was cool because it was Pierce Brosnan doing the voice acting. Heidi Klum was in it. Willem Dafoe was the villain. So there was some, like, there was, yeah, Jaws came back. Uh, uh, so there were some cool uh, games that they had came out. There were some fun ones. That was GameCube, and I actually really enjoyed that. Um, and they did do a couple other attempts, but I wouldn't mind seeing other ones. And you could even have Pierce Brosnan come back and voice it, Daniel Craig and voice character, or have an original OG, a new Bond um, do that. So yeah, I think I played... It was either Agent Under Fire or Night Fire. Yeah. Either way, it had fire in it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the last last video game we had that included 007 was 2012. But there's apparently some kind of video game being worked on. I mean, we're seeing that also with the resurgence of like Indiana Jones is getting a new video game. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be cool, like, you know, with the success of things like Uncharted and, like you said, Tomb Raider. These games where we can play more of third person with action, with, you know, train sequences, with car sequences. Give us a full-fledged, just, like, cool video game where you get to play as James Bond and get to go through and do missions. And, and you know, it's an overarching story. But also, I wouldn't mind, like, give me some kind of, like, spy avengers movie where it's like james bond must team up with ethan hunt and jason bourne and sherlock holmes and like you know give me give me a we had the mcu now it's the bcu the bond universe the league of extraordinary gentlemen but it's all like spies you know and like black widow shows up some you know it's just all this stuff happens because uh we need more of that but yeah i'm excited to see where bond can go next and but you know congrats to daniel craig on such a uh awesome run as the character and uh stay tuned later this week for our spoiler review on no time to die um but um yeah we can't wait and um fun one just you know to think of this franchise just 16 years um seven years have include the books to go back and there's so many different variations you can check out which i think is a unique thing that even though the mcu at this point now has a little more to it it's like no, no other franchise in history has had this long a run with this many films with different actors and just it's it's huge it's monumental and again the character of james bond is one of the most popular and easy recognizable names you know everyone knows bond james bond that's the thing that people know worldwide and people do that all the time you know we do doer chris doer um why'd you repeat your name i was trying to be cool um you know <laughs> <Didn't work>. exactly <laughs> didn't work out so much and even like you know i think all of us want like 
we wanted to have that cool put on a tux have a you know a nice lady next to us get the martini and then go drive an aston martin i mean who doesn't want to do that that sounds like a good time to me that's why taylor's q he comes with all the fun gadgets so yeah and i stay i stay in my actually no you're t so yeah i was like the technical guy uh but yeah and i'm c the coffee guy yeah <laughs> can you imagine that hey there's there's a skit for you it's a million dollar idea but yeah who knows i'm I'm excited to, to see where the franchise goes hope you guys enjoy this and tell us about some of your maybe favorite memories or your favorite bonds who's your bond and maybe uh give us some ideas for uh the next video game that's going to come out can't wait to see it so uh russell a couple of those martinis and uh Let's head back to my workshop and I'll give you a couple of the latest gadgets. Sounds good, Money Penny. Oh, wait. Are you Money Penny? Are I'd you... be more like T Money. <laughs> ah, T Money. Let's get in the car. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email. The Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.